top of the hour news. As it happens, when it happens, wherever it happens. Local, regional, and global. Only on Q95, the big station. Q95DA.com. Right on Q. Good afternoon. This is the Midday News for today. I'm your presenter, Richie Ferrell. Here are the headlines. Popular outspoken pastor Randy Rodney asks, is justice reserved for a select few in Dominica? As he addressed the crime situation on the island during his Kingdom Connection radio show on Monday evening. Prime Minister Mia Amar Motley has announced that those working remotely in the COVID-19 pandemic may soon be able to move their home office to Barbados for up to one year. And President Donald Trump obsesses about his re-election hopes, but state and local leaders are reversing state reopenings that he demanded, which turned America into the world's biggest coronavirus hotspot. These are our headlines. The news brought to you compliments Courts Dominica Limited. We'll be right back after this. Summer this year is going to be a little different. How about a homecation? Shop at Courts today. Save on a variety of products across the store. AC units to keep cool. Upgrade your favorite appliances, living room, and even your patio furniture. Courts has the best prices and widest range of smart TVs guaranteed. Whatever you need, shop with Courts Ready Finance and you pay nothing for 90 days. It's summertime. Let's make staying at home a homecation with a little help from Courts. Courts, bringing value home. Welcome back to the Midday News. First up in the news, is justice reserved for a select few in Dominica? That's the question from Pastor Randy Rodney as he speaks on the crime situation in Dominica. Rodney was speaking on the Talking Point commentary of the Kingdom Connection program on Monday night. Rodney questions whether or not if this spirit of entitlement and invincibility against the law contributes to this new level of crime making its way within the country that sometimes or a large number of the times justice is reserved for a select few so that the law seems to be aggravated more when certain people do slight crimes and when other people do other crimes then there is a, a different look at it when you look at crimes in a society and i'm not a criminologist by any means and I'm hoping that Peter Saint-Jean, the criminologist, is listening to me. And if he's not listening, he probably will hear that. We need to begin to look at the whole thing. Is there a nexus between a feeling of entitlement that says no law, no constitution can stop me from doing what I want, and the, the kind of thing we see on our streets where young people with their young guys with their bikes or with their cars whatever they they just feel that they can block the road when they want they stop in the road to chat even if there's a parking on the side is there a connection between the spirit that said that no law no constitution can stop me from doing whatever and the feeling and the entitlement of other people is there a connection there we all need to reduce crime in our country if we are not serious about this thing, one of those days, all the hoopla we do about all the other investments in the nation 
we will begin to be thinking differently about them. Pastor Rodney then addressed Police Chief Commissioner Daniel Carbon as he made the call for a more unified connection between police and Dominica's citizens, saying that police alone will not be able to stop crime in Dominica. He says it would appear that we are living in a society where depending on who your friends are, you can get away with crimes with just a slap on the wrist. Mr. Carbon, I'm throwing that ball right in your court, squarely in your court, as the Commissioner of Police, reminding you, sir, and I hope that that's what Mr. Valerie meant, that the police by themselves cannot reduce the incidences of crime, and I'm sure without the help of everybody else, we'll have a serious difficulty in even solving some of the crimes that we have seen here. I ask of you, all of you, to, to, to put country first. Put country first. There are too many variables that are out there loose. It seems as though the, the crime syndicates, the people who are involved in whatever the crimes are, they seem to have relationships with people who are able to prevent them from prosecution, to stop them from, 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 from committing their crimes. They seem to be in bed with people who hold the reins of authority. And we need to find a way to break that. And I'm talking about all, all kinds of crimes. So white collar crime, black collar crime, blue collar crime, orange collar crime, money crime, government crime, pastor crime, all kinds of crimes. I'm talking about all of them. Because we seem to be living in a society where, depending on who your friends are, you can get a slap on the wrist and move to the next crime. Chairman of the DAEC and pastor, Randy Rodney. The long-term effect of COVID-19 on the psyche of this generation of young persons is one that is seriously underestimated. That's according to youth activists and humanitarian Elaine Commodore. Ms. Commodore was addressing the topic of COVID-19 and its impacts on the education of the youth on the Civic Vibes program on Sunday, where she expressed the silent realities of many young persons during this COVID season. Commodore highlighted the fact for many students, school provided a place of escape and expression from the many temptations and negatives of life. And without that place to go, many young persons are succumbing to the ills of life. I think to young people, that is basically our biggest concern. And then with the whole hindrance it has on our education, it branches out into other other problems for young people. You have the increased use of drugs among young people. A lot of teachers, especially at the high school level, are lamenting of how they're seeing their students now. Oh, them trying always by the base smoking weed. Them trying always on the road, whatever, whatever. But you have to understand, for young people, some of them, school is their only escape. That's where they get to escape from their bad situations at home. That's where they get to see their friends. That's where they get to express themselves. And now, they don't have that at all. And they cannot even say, okay, well, by the time September comes, things will be back to normal. So we're kind of in a just a state of helplessness. Yes. And I think that it's a very underrated issue because for a child to go from being a top student to now not submitting any work online when they have to come to get their report card, they're not even interested in it anymore, or they tell you, and I'm going back to school, like for what? So I think we're really underestimating the role that this pandemic has on young people. And 
how it will affect them. Also, it's considering that a few years ago, the same people who are in high school now experienced Hurricane Maria. They had to jump over that hurdle and get over it. But now, with Maria, at least you could see the end. You know, you can see the roads being fixed. You can see your school being repaired. But with COVID-19, nobody knows. Yes. So I think we are really, in Dominica, underestimating the, the impact it has on students' psychological and their psyche, their psychological state. Youth activist and humanitarian Elaine Commodore. Meantime, fellow youth activist Miss Milagro Chalmaine, also known as Miracle, shared her perspective on this matter as well as the shared mindset of many young persons as it relates to COVID-19's economic impact on the country, the issue of job availability, teaching obstacles, and the many levels of the unspoken realities from the youth perspective. I think to young people that is basically our biggest concern and then with the whole hindrance it has on our education it branches out into other other problems for young people you have the increased use of drugs among young people a lot of teachers especially at the high school level are lamenting of how they're seeing their students now oh them trying always by the base smoking weed them trying always on the road whatever whatever but you have to understand for young people some of them school is the only escape that's where they get to escape from there are bad situations at home. That's where they get to see their friends. That's where they get to express themselves. And now they don't have that at all. And they cannot even say, okay, well, by the time September comes, things will be back to normal. So we're kind of in a, just a state of helplessness. Yes. And I think that it's a very underrated issue because for a child to go from being a top student to now not submitting any work online when they have to come to get their report card, they're not even interested in it anymore, or they tell you, and I'm going back to school, like, for what? So I think we're really underestimating the role that this pandemic has on young people and uh, how it will affect them. Also, it's considering that a few years ago, the same people who are in high school now experienced Hurricane Maria. They had to jump over that hurdle and get over it. But now, with Maria, at least you could see the end. You know, you can see the roads being fixed. You can see your school being repaired. But with COVID-19, nobody knows. Yes. So I think we are really, in Dominica, underestimating the, the impact it has on students' psychological and their psyche, their psychological state. Youth activist Miss Milagro Charlemagne. More news here. Well-known taxi driver Kelvin Albert says the Prime Minister's recent appointment of two taxi drivers as tourism ambassadors exposes the tourism ministry as inefficient. Albert says tourism is serious business and adds that the Prime Minister, Roosevelt Garrett, seems to be putting on a show. Read the advancement of Dominica's tourism industry pre and post the COVID-19 virus lockdown. When it comes to tourism in Dominica, we are badly, badly off. If the borders was open, that's what we all know so. We are badly off. And the Prime Minister too is just putting on a show. If you are hiring two ambassadors right now, two taxi men, which means the team you have in the tourism industry is doing a bad job. So you need new blood. That's what it seems. You have a director, you have the people from Discover Dominica, you have a Minister of Tourism. So if you're going to be hiring two taxi men, to be ambassadors, which means the people doing your marketing is doing a bad job at it. Number one, all the Caribbean islands. I'm always online, I read a lot. Right. When people tell me things, I need to go online. We are the only island without a cruise village. A cruise village means you got bank, you got restaurant, you have facilities to keep you occupied and ready. you can normally have between two to three cruise ship dock. And we are the only one who don't have that. At this present moment with the COVID-19, Trinidad is undergoing a new cruise ship village. We need it. The reason why Carnival Cruise Corporation is going to be selling 16 of the ship and the ship they're going to be selling is ship 
within 2,500 capacity and lower. Due to the COVID-19, a lot of the ship going to be operating with half of the capacity. So which means we're going to be having the mega cruise ship, which holds about 6,000, will be having about 3,000. Now, with this cruise ship coming in the Caribbean, we do not have a jetty to dock them. They are too big. So we're going to be left out. That's a big, big problem. If OECs come, Harmony, Carnival, Sunshine, where are they going to be docked? And most ships now don't want to tend their passengers. They want to be docked, the ship is safe, and that's a big challenge we're facing right now. Chinese ambassador to Dominica, Liu Kun, is seeking to assure Dominicans that preparatory works will resume for the construction of an international airport for Dominica, adding that there are other projects on the cards for Dominica to include agriculture and the rehabilitation of six schools across Dominica. Lucan says these projects will resume as soon as the COVID-19 pandemic is brought under control. He made those statements at the commissioning of three West Bridges at Makushri, Batali and Point Round on 13th July 2020. China will continue very, very soon to build the agriculture complex building in Postman. This project is already passed by the Chinese government and also actually it's on the process of the getting bids for the construction company. So after finish the bidding procession, the Chinese government will send the, the company to Dominic very, very soon to start this project. Another very important project is the six schools destroyed by the Herkumaria. Also, Chinese government will start this process. And uh, I should say, it also will be built began to build very, very soon, G6 schools. It's very, very important. Dr. Scarlett himself is very concerned about the, these projects, for the, especially for the students. And also, lastly and finally, you are most concerned about is the international airport. So after the COVID-19, the pandemic goes over. I think the Chinese government was saying that technical experts came to Dominic very, very, very soon because this project is also Prime Minister Dr. Scarlett very most concerned about it. Chinese Ambassador to Dominica, Lu Kun. DAIC's Vice President Stephen Lander says disruptive events are actually helping out banks establish a decash value proposition. He was speaking on the global transition of digital cash, which is being implemented into the Caribbean through a pilot project spearheaded by the ECCB. Presently, the pandemic of COVID-19 and the like has somewhat allowed businesses, banks, governments, and even the average citizen to adjust to the digital virtual economy. But it's not all smooth sailing. Persons are still a bit hesitant to embrace the value proposition being promoted by banks and the like. He says that COVID-19 changed the paradigm of the traditional standards. He also explains that the younger, more adventurous minds will be key to this change. Uh, so we have to focus on uh, establishing the value proposition, back to the point that I made earlier. And, and it's been a very difficult thing for us to do. I have gone personally and sat in meetings with, with, with some of my almost long-standing customers and tried you know, through conversation, through explanations, through giving examples of how these things can help, you know, add value to their, their business and their processes and, and, and people just refuse to, to take it up. But uh, as I said, uh, disruptive events are helping us establish that value proposition. I think that is the key thing that happened with COVID because 
all of a sudden the traditional options were not there, right? But then you still had to run your business. So it forced people to sort of take a look and try and dip their toe into the water and see whether this is something that is palatable, whereas they wouldn't have elected to do that before. So it's it's helping. And I think uh, what we need is, um, you know, the, the intervention of, of the, the, the younger, more, uh, let's call it more adventurous minds uh, that that can influence the the, the ones that are that are uh, you know more accustomed to the traditional means to explain and educate and 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 help them along the way, right? Uh, so that they get accustomed to these things and and we'll see a higher adoption rate. DAIC's Vice President Stephen Lander. In more news, calls and demands are being made by the Dominican citizenry for increased transparency in the bidding processes and housing assistance criteria for citizens who hope to be recipients of homes and apartments being constructed by the government of Dominica. Development planner, architect and president of the United Workers Party, Isaac Baptiste, is one such Dominican who told Q95FM recently that there are three demands which must be met by government or he and the United Workers Party executive will find whoever has the authority to adjudicate on this issue to see that Dominicans begin to benefit equally from this housing program. The current public sector housing program referred to as the housing revolution which the Prime Minister has kept in his office. There is need and we for us to demand that the Prime Minister and the office of the government of Dominica do three things. Publish the criteria for person to qualify to benefit under the program. Two, to ensure that they provide the list on the method of selection and what, who are the committees and persons on these committees doing the selection. Provide accountability as to the cost of those programs for us to understand why it is that the government is giving properties that are worth two or $300,000 to persons for free, selected by them, not transparently. Is it an abuse of public funds? for political gain and political victimization. So these three important issues must be vented in the public. And to the extent that if the authorities fail to act, we have to find who has who has authority to take the matter to court, for the court to adjudicate. The judiciary is supposed to be independent to adjudicate on these issues. And this is what we'll be pursuing. Development planner, architect, and president of the United Workers Party, Isaac Baptiste. A Dominican woman who prefers to remain anonymous at this time spoke to Q95 News on Monday evening, stating that the COVID-19 assistance program initiated by the Dominica Social Security DSS to help workers laid off by the advent of the coronavirus pandemic appears to be systematically corrupted to avoid paying deserving Dominicans for the period of their inconvenience. Government closed Dominica's borders as a main safety measure on 26 March 2020 and imposed a state of emergency on 1st April 2020, all in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. Though this was truly the most logical decision which could have been made at the time, Dominican citizens have been suffering financially and many have lost their livelihoods as business could not continue to operate due to losses incurred by this state action. One of the initiatives carried out by the Dominica Social Security and supported by the Roosevelt Security Administration was a COVID-19 response, employees and small business program unemployment grant.
This program will offer financial assistance in the amount of EC $600 and EC $400 to individuals with minor dependents under the age of 18 and individuals with no minor dependents under the age of 18, respectively, who have either been laid off or whose employment have been terminated as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic or the emergency powers curfew order statutory rules and order number 15 of 2020 financial assistance will be paid via the dominica social security also known as dss yes i filled out my form online you know as someone who lost their job and mm. then i waited until last month i got a salary 600 dollars well i am an individual a woman that um you know, I am also one that was working and lost my job mm. and that I'm waiting patiently for the salary from the Dominica Social Security. Well, yes, yes, I have a few friends that, you know, up to now it has one of them, a woman, up to now she hasn't gotten a pay as yet and she's waiting, waiting until she really needs that money and she's tired of waiting, she's tired of going and checking them at the office in Portsmouth. But um, anyways, um, I'm still waiting and when I call them and I ask them, so when will I be getting the rest of the money, they told me that anytime if I start back work, I will not be able to get it if I start back working. I will only get a first portion of it. And I just find that it's very unfair because if the money is there to give to the people, they should just give the people their money all at once instead of giving it piece by piece. Mm. You understand? So I, I find that unfair and I really in need of the money and... Uh, Right now, I'm still not working. Right, just for April and up to this moment, they are still dealing with April month, paying other people for April. They haven't moved to May, nor June as yet. And we don't know when will that be. They're still paying. When we call them, they say they are still paying April month. Okay. They are taking too long. Mm -hmm. And it's like people maybe start back getting back their jobs and they will not even benefit of that money, that grant. Because they said that if people start back working, they will not be getting the, that money. This is Q95 News. Those working remotely in the COVID-19 pandemic may soon be able to move their home office to Barbados, according to the Barbados Government Information Service. Now, Prime Minister Mia Motley announced at the reopening of a bar that the government will soon introduce a 12-month Barbados welcome stamp for visitors working remotely, the Government Information Service said earlier this month. Rapid testing is not readily available for the country in the coronavirus pandemic, which has made short-term travel to Barbados more difficult, Motley said. The year-long invitation is Barbados's answer to the economic difficulties travel companies and tourist destinations are facing as people all over the world are encouraged to stay home and mitigate the virus's spread. Motley hopes industries across the country will become involved in welcoming longer-term travelers. You don't need to work in Europe or the US or Latin America if you can come here and work for a couple months at a time. Go back and come back, Motley said. But in order for those things to truly resonate, what does it mean? It means that what we offer has to be world-class and what we continue to offer is world-class. Though slowly and cautiously, some Caribbean islands have begun reopening their borders for international visitors this month. Barbados began to reopen its borders on July 12, 2020, but restrictions are in place to prevent against travelers bringing the virus back into the country. 
And while President Donald Trump obsesses about his re-election hopes in his White House bubble, state and local leaders are frantically reversing state reopenings that he demanded, which turned America into the world's biggest coronavirus hotspot. As emergency rooms filled and the virus quickened its relentless march across southern and western states of America, Donald Trump struck to the fiction that the worst is already over. We had to close it down. Now we're opening it up, the president said, of the economy at the White House patting himself on the back for saving millions of lives. As new cases of the disease reach 60,000 a day nationwide, many leaders, including those who supported Trump's aggressive approach, now have little choice but to prioritize science over politics, leaving the president looking out of touch with reality. After spending days railing against Dr. Anthony Fauci, President Trump and his top aides seem to be pulling back from what appear to be a campaign to undermine one of the nation's most trusted health experts. I have a very good relationship with Dr. Fauci. I've had for a long time, right from the beginning. I find him to be a very nice person. I don't always agree with him. I, no, I get along with him very well. I like him. Even though his access to the president is all but cut off and his TV appearances have been blocked by White House officials, it's Fauci who is still offering Americans a dose of reality warning the coronavirus pandemic remains a danger to the public. We haven't even begun to see the end of it yet, but until you get it completely under control, it's still going to be a threat. Even as coronavirus cases reach record numbers in multiple states over the last few days, White House aides have blasted Fauci anonymously, telling reporters several White House officials are concerned about the number of times Dr. Fauci has been wrong on things. Why not have the guts to uh, trash Dr. Fauci with your own names? So, uh, President Trump, um, I'll refer you back, there's no opposition research being dumped to reporters. The notion that there's opposition research and that there's Fauci versus the president couldn't be further from the truth. Dr. Fauci and the president have always had a very good working relationship. While sometimes questioning the expertise of Fauci, who was once awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom, Mr. Trump appears to be putting his faith in people who aren't scientists. Retweeting this tweet from former game show host Chuck Willery, who claims the most outrageous lies are the ones about COVID-19. Everyone is lying. The CDC, media, Democrats, our doctors, not all but most, that we are told to trust. Even though he's just recently embraced wearing a mask and is still downplaying the threat posed by the virus. We're at about 135,000 and we'll be at somewhat higher than that by the time it it ends. Mr. Trump is offering up a new conspiracy that unnamed forces are working in cahoots to keep schools closed to damage his re-election chances. We have to open the schools, we have to get them open, and uh, I think there's a lot of politics going along. I think they think they'll do better if they can keep the schools closed in the election. I don't think it's going to help them, frankly, but I think they feel that by keeping schools closed, that's a bad thing for the country, and therefore that's a... Uh, Good thing for them. That came a day after Education Secretary Betsy DeVos falsely claimed there was no health risk in sending children back to school when it's likely some students will pass the virus on to teachers. There is no nothing in the data that would suggest that kids being back in school is uh, is dangerous to them. And in fact, it's, it's more a, a matter of their health and well-being that they be back in school. Former White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney is acknowledging there have been problems with the administration's response. Writing in an op-ed on CNBC's website, I know it isn't popular to talk about in some Republican circles, but we still have a testing problem in this country. 
As for his decision to commute the sentence of former Trump campaign advisor Roger Stone, the president is standing by the controversial move that was opposed by some top officials in his own administration. I'm getting rave reviews for what I did for Roger Stone. Attorney General William Barr, who said he approved of the Stone prosecution, is now praising the president. First, let me say uh, what an honor it is for me to serve under a president who is such a strong supporter of law enforcement. And that's the midday news. Here's a recap of our headlines. Popular outspoken pastor Randy Rodney asks, is justice reserved for a select few in Dominica? As he addressed the crime situation on the island during his Kingdom Connection radio show on Monday evening. Prime Minister Mia Motley has announced that those working remotely in the COVID-19 pandemic may soon be able to move their home office to Barbados for up to one year. And President Donald Trump obsesses about his re-election hopes, but state and local leaders are reversing state reopenings that he demanded, which turned America into the world's biggest coronavirus hotspot. These are our headlines. The news brought to you compliments Quartz Dominica Limited. I am Richie Ferrall. Q, top of the hour news. As it happens, when it happens, wherever it happens. Local.